Thank you, madam. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. We're going to read an extended passage of Scripture today. And um, I, I believe that this is a this is a rhema word that God's giving us um, at this particular moment in anticipation of the breakthrough and the harvest that's coming. And we we need to be a people who grasp the principles that are very plainly written for us in the Word. Sad thing is that we so often, when we study the Scripture, we just skim the top of it. You know, we, we, we read a parable, and regardless of whether Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear, and, and he, he talks about the fact that there are mysteries involved in them, and we're going to read that, we have a tendency to just touch the very, very high point of, of, uh, of what is there, the easy pickings, as it were, and we don't go deeper to really understand the fuller measures of what the Spirit is saying. So what we're going to look at today is something that God initially began to speak to us this past um, Wednesday, and uh, we're going to develop it a bit more today, but the principle of harvest, the principle of fruitfulness is, is a really important dimension of the kingdom of God. And so we apply this to what we are as partners with God in the saints. But we also must apply this in our individual life, because if we imply this principle in our individual life, we're going to know blessing beyond anything we've known. And so sometimes when we talk about these kingdom principles, to me, it is, it is meat and it's a light to our path and it shows us what we need to be proclaiming and declaring throughout the world and sometimes I think people might think, well, that's great, but what does it mean for me? Well, God's principles, if, if they move nations, what will they do in your life individually? And so this is a principle of blessing. It's a principle of fruitfulness. It's a principle of harvest. And we're going to see it together today. But we are going to read uh, verses 1 through 20 of this passage in Mark 4. It's also, um, uh, this is in, a, in a briefer way, um, what we're going to read is, is uh, spoken of in the book of Matthew, but this is a more detailed telling, and I, I am enjoying it. Every time I read it, I see something new, and I, I release the efficacy of this scripture into your life, because this is a word from the Lord for us, and it does entail the principles of fruitfulness and the burgeoning breakthrough that we're going to be knowing. And so we, we need to use this as somewhat of a roadmap to say, oh, yeah, this is what God's doing. This is why he's doing it. And when you understand that, then you can reach in and lay claim to even more measures of fruitfulness because you understand the principle and what's going on. It's, it's kind of like being outside when it's raining. You can get wet. Or you can learn how to manage that water and benefit from it. And so I don't want to just get wet. I, I want to be able to be 
a, uh, a, a, a recipient and a manager together with God of his blessing. And I know you do too. Um, that's a principle in life. It's a principle of investment. Does, does money just come to you, or do you enjoy that and invest it for a future dividend? And we need to be wise stewards of the treasures of heaven that God is giving us. So anyway, that's, that's a long introduction. But here we go. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. He taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, and sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. We're going to revisit that eighth verse here in a moment. And he said to them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And they're done in parables. They're all hearing the parables. But done here means that the parable is an end for them. They don't delve into it and gain the riches of it. Um, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not know this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower sows the word. They that, these are they that are by the wayside. When the word is sown, when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are they likewise, which are stone on, sown on stony ground, who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a brief time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Listen to these things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things enter in, choking the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, which as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. I think uh, we've been living this over the past couple of years, and I believe that as you have been faithful and stood 
firm in what God is doing, God is now going to be giving not only heightened measures of understanding, but an empowerment uh, for for unparalleled fruitfulness in your life and in in the life of our our mission together. So back to verse eight. Uh, here you have a threefold process that Jesus speaks of, and then he speaks of a threefold process again, both in this eighth verse. Uh, he says that um, the, the, that which fell on good ground first yielded fruit that sprung up and increased and was brought forth. I think that, in fact, I know that we're going to be encountering fruit that springs up. It's going to be just not there and then there. And it's going to be surprising for us the way that God allows us to see different um, measures of how the sown word is going to begin to manifest itself in places and in people. Um, the, the beautiful thing about increase is this is a word that is used throughout the Scripture to speaks about growing. It speaks about manifesting dimensions of what something is intended to be as a development. Now, First Peter speaks about how that it's the word that causes this kind of growth in, in God's people. And um, that is true. We, when we receive the word, we begin to manifest things in our life that God intended us to be, but without the word, we'd never grow into them. We'd never develop them. And so this measure of increasing is really a miraculous portrayal of things taking shape in a, dare I say, a line-upon-line way to where we're developing or the harvest is developing. And um, we're going to see that happen too. But, but then it says that it is, um, it is brought forth. Now, brought forth would be something as simple as gathering the harvest and bringing it into storage or into some measure of, um, of uh, reaping and processing the harvest but this word is also used to describe how that you would present a gift to someone that is deserving of the gift. Or you would present a payment to somebody that uh, you owe something to. Or you would, um, you would show your work to somebody that has commissioned you to do something and then they receive it with great favor. I think that all three of these types of things in the time of harvest we're going to see in conjunction with our partnership with God. As you have sown the Word, as you have sown in study and in devotion, as you have sown in applying and obeying the Word, and you have been prayerfully partnering with God, that seed is going to begin to rise up and, and it's going to spring up in ways that we're not expecting. It's going to develop in ways that are uh, 
commensurate with what God has ordained for the foundation of the world. And essentially, it's going to be presented to us almost as a, as a measure of fulfillment, but we can all present this to our God who orchestrated all of it to begin with. So this is very interesting that Jesus uh, speaks about this threefold measure of harvest. See, um, we often stop at the thorns and we say, okay, you, you know, you can't let things rise up that'll pierce your fruit and you'll then not gain the harvest. If it's the cares of this world or deceitfulness of riches or some other kind of lust that draws you off course, th- those are important things to see. But I believe that for this season in particular, you have avoided that and you have survived that. And now we, we come forth past that and we say, what is indicative of the harvest? Those three things are coming. And I think we need to believe for it. The surprise of the breakthrough, and we need to see the development and the maturation of what God has ordained in your life and, and in the places where we're called to, to be and to go. And also then that things would be presented and there would be a, a measure of fulfillment and, and that mostly we present this to God to say, Father, this, this is yours. Here it is. And to feel his blessing as, as that comes. You know, it's, it's, how do you put a quotient on feeling as if the job has been done? It's not pridefulness. See, there's a difference between pride and this feeling. There, there, there's, there's a feeling, I'm sure, that some of you who are, are, are artistic, you know, when Imani envisions something and she begins to put something together and she feels, okay, this is done. There's a feeling there, a gratification, a, a, a fulfillment. And, and that, is, that is coming. And God knows so many of you have, have, been, uh, have, have, have really earned that. I can say that as your pastor. But um, Jesus speaks of these three things that come from a successful harvest. But then he doesn't stop there. In the same verse, he speaks about this business of 30, 60, and 100. And, and as I briefly mentioned on this past Wednesday night, and this was not the topic of this past Wednesday, but when we were talking about 100, it brought us to this discussion. But I think so many times we have read this and we thought, well, it's just how much do you want this? You know, are you just going to, are you going to just uh, work hard enough to get 30? Or are you going to really roll up your sleeves and get 60? Or are you just going to work overtime on a 24-hour schedule and get 100? And we kind of lay this out as, as, a, uh, as, as a depiction of how much do you want and how, how hard are you willing to work? Well, we do need to work hard. It is the work of the ministry, but that's not what's being talked about here. Because 30 and 60 and 100, which Jesus said in this case, and then he reiterated the same thing, means something vital in the principle of serving God and seeing breakthrough. Really, this is, this is such a crucial thing. Let's begin with 30. Um, 
I mentioned the other day that 30 indicates in the, in the Old Testament, it's a word that, that is used to describe captains. It was also something that would, would uh, be uh, commensurate with David's mighty men and in, in the 30 that were there. But if you dig deeper, you, you can see that 30 in the Old Testament, and in fact, the principle of three means something for us. When, when we say three in the Bible, we should think promise, seal of fulfillment. We should think, think grace, mercy, peace. We should think Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We should, we should think in that way where you buy into something and you commit yourself to walk through it so that there is a completion that you will have. And, and if somebody's going to be in the military, they've got to buy into it. And they've got to say, I'm going to excel in this. And, and I'm going to commit myself to the cause. And that really is what this business of 30 is. Uh, that, that you, you, it's not just enough to see, uh, you know, hey, we've got a bumper crop here. But you, you put in place the things that you feel need to be accomplished, and you commit yourself to the authority of that, and you become disciplined that, that something is, is going to be notable beyond the harvest itself, something that, that is, is a, a positional thing. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because the way God used three, a, a three times thing in the Old Testament is really curious. You know, for instance, when David and Jonathan had friendship and Saul was really wound up to, to kill David, but God was, God was uh, wanting to uh, show that David was committed to the measure of authority and he recognized who Jonathan was in that position of authority in Saul's house. And so there's a passage where David greets Jonathan, and, and the Bible clearly says that David bowed three times. And what this was, was a measure of commitment. And David was committed to the anointing. David was committed to the authority structure, even though he could have rose up and took the kingdom by force right then. And you see another instance, a uh, rather odd thing, when Elijah, when uh, Elijah recognized that Ahab and Jezebel had put together this structure, and and it was it was a Baal structure. It was wickedness. It was demonic, and that had to be addressed and broken before anything else could be done in restoring the kingdom to Israel. And so there they are up in the mountain and. You know, those 850 demonized prophets are dancing around, cutting themselves, and, you know, they're believing for fire to come down and consume the sacrifice, and Elijah's making fun of them, you know, and joking. And, and then when all of that hullabaloo is, or hellabaloo is done, uh, Elijah says, okay, I want you to bring water and pour it on the altar. And I want you to bring water and pour it on a second time. And I want you to bring water, and I want you to pour it on a third time. And that wasn't th for theatrics. That was to say that 
What the enemy's tried to do in his positioning, this is broken now. However they've committed themselves to serve Baal and the, the demons of the land, this is broken. And when God sends this fire down, it's going to be uh, the, the measure of four, which was the barrels that were poured there, that we're committed to God's ways from his throne, but the structure of how we apply it is, is going to be reiterated. One, two, three. Now, some people just read over that and they think, oh, you know, look what he's doing up there. You know, this is just fun to watch. What a crazy man. But this was a principle, breaking the principle of the enemy and saying, from now on, we're going to be establishing the sons of the prophets in this land. From now on, we're going to be establishing God's ways in this land. There's going to be a structure, a captaincy. And, um, and you know, you think... Uh, when John God was trying to speak sense into him uh, up on top of the mountain, uh, when he was saying, "Oh, you know, woe is me! I'm all alone." What God? What was God talking to him about? You know, you need to go down. You need to anoint this guy, and then you need to you need to make sure that this structure's in place, and you need to make sure that uh, this neighboring king is anointed for Syria. And you need God speaking to him about structure, because structure is the thing that will guarantee future harvests. It's not just a one-time event. You know, we've been seeing that in our country recently. You know, we see things that are being spoken and woken all over the country, and we think, where did this come from? And we, we maybe uh, uh, naively have missed the fact that throughout academia for the past 30 years or so, well, all of this stuff's been being taught and grounded into leaders. And uh, it, it's, it's structure that then guarantees the ongoing measures of fruitfulness and harvest. So when Jesus speaks about, you know, the seed coming and, and, and really the agenda of it, you know, it's going to spring up. How is it going to come? It's going to spring up. It's going to mature. And then it's going to be presented as something that's fulfilling to the Father and into you. And then he says, okay, this is the way it's going to happen, but how are you going to maintain this in kingdom? See, there's a difference between having a visitation of God's presence and the establishment of kingdom. Jesus said, you pray that kingdom come. You pray that kingdom come. You don't just pray for a visitation. You don't just pray for a spot of the goosebump glory. You pray for kingdom come. And kingdom is, is, is kingdom harvest is what he's speaking about here in this 30, 60, and 100 fold. So 30 speaks of captaincy. In the Old Testament, look it up. There it is. It's putting and training people who are willing to embrace the concepts of God and to take a stand. That's the first thing you have to do if you want to have a kingdom revisitation. If you want to be more than just a farmer, if you want to be a rancher, if you want to establish a dole empire, you better have this first. And that's one of the things that God is saying to us in this breakthrough season. We've been handed miraculous equipment to be able to go out and to lay out the, the principles training leaders across the world. Now, yes, we've been, haven't you been doing that? Well, yes, we have. 
but you're faithful in the small things, and then that sets you up to be ruler over many. When Jesus spoke about the talents and how people would invest them, what did he give them as a, as a reward? Power over cities. And so I think that what we've been doing is under the Lord in learning and training and preserving materials is, is now going to be accelerated into the training of leaders. And um, you, can, you can sense that. You can sense that. But that's the first stage of, of ensuring an ongoing demonstration of kingdom harvest. And that's really what, we're, what we, in the Lord, have been being prepared for. Now, the second is 60. And 60, as I mentioned the other day, is, is kind of interesting. Because when you look at it in the Old Testament, it means that your hands have done certain things and because you've been faithful in doing things with your hands, there's been an added, uh, accentuated blessing that comes. And 60 really means more than the hands can themselves achieve. And, you know, you see that because when you get a group of people, it's, it's kind of like the principle of um, one putting 1,000 to flight, two putting 10,000 to flight. And they've, they've proven that. I remember uh, reading many years ago about, uh, did you know, up in, in Wisconsin, up in Dairyland, they'll have contests at the state fair to see if, how uh, teams of horses, uh, w- which teams can pull the most weight. And they've, they've actually proven this principle, that if you have one horse pulling, you get one horsepower. But if you bring two or even three, or dare I say four, it's, it's not just four times what that one horse did. It's accelerated. And so when you get all these people together in the 30, and they're all working together, then the, the evidence of what their own hands can do is there, but God blesses it even more so. It's more than the hands can carry. And so this, this 60 is, is like a, a commitment, not just being commissioned and taught and you, you commit yourself, which is what the 30 says, and that's essential. But it's, it's seeing this, this multiplied abundance of, of, um, uh, of adding to, and that's, that's a 60-fold. And you know what? Sometimes that's enough for people. You know, I think this is where a lot of movements get stopped, the movements in the, in the spirit. Uh, you know, there'll be people who are committed to a thing, and they, they say, well, ask God, this is what God's given us. And so they establish outposts, and then comes blessing, and God begins to bless that. But then success destroys better than anything else in a lot of ways. Uh, my barns are full, you know. I, 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 can, I can just sit back and enjoy the fruits of my labor. I'm going to cash out. Well, you cash out, and that's it. And I'm not faulting anybody who, who elects to do that. 60 is certainly more than 30 and certainly more than zero. But at that point, you've got to determine whether that's enough for you or whether you want to go on to the hundred, 
which I said when we were studying about gates this past week. If you look in the Hebrew lexicons, you find that um, that same word that's used is the Hebrew word for hundred. So you have people then that aren't just blessed, even though that's wonderful. They've not just committed to something. That's wonderful. They've not seen just an outpouring of the goodness of God, even though that's wonderful. They say, okay, it's time to establish dominion. It's time to say, this is this is not just a one-time flash in the pan. We've set this in motion. We're going to ensure that our, our underlings, our young ones, our, our, our lieutenants are doing that job. We're going to ensure that you're paying the price in the sila of harvest, that the commensurate blessing of God is known, but we're going to establish principles in the gates. And it really is an expansion of Peretz Peretz, it's an expansion of knowing that we're going to secure this thing. We've come upon a principle that works. We're, of course, serving God, but in the gates, we're going to see kingdom reality now. We're going to judge in the gates. We're going to, we're going to establish wise things in the gates. We're going to, in, in fact, be before the Lord so that he'll show us how to do things better. It's institutional. And, and if you have all three of those things going on, that's the apex of harvest. But gates arise. And that hundredfold would require that you have people that are uh, skilled and devoted to God and who are mature in the Lord who can position themselves there. It really then comes back to the principle of the three levels of the, of the mighty men, which David established in his kingdom where you have somebody at the gates that is renowned without, without any debate, respected. And then you have those in the middle who are working very devotedly to make sure that things are as they're supposed to be in the labors. And then you have those who are still mighty. They're captains, but they are learning their positions. They're faithful in their positions. And you have to have all three of those for kingdom harvest, and this is what we need to believe for. This is what we are are believing for. And there's great, uh, there is great uh, measure of of authority that God gives in this beyond what we would have in any other way. And you know, I I believe we're 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 entering into that measure of gatewide authority. Um, I, I think that, you know, what we saw as, as a token, um, which was a great blessing in the Southwest. Les talked about how hot it was and, and how many fires there were in the West. And certainly God's, God's making his presence known there. But we've seen what God did in our brothers and sisters in, in Tucson and the rains that came almost continually. And in the past two weeks, you know, it was, it was officially established that that was the wettest month on record. Uh, and um, it well over eight inches. It just in a two-week time span from the time we stood in agreement with the saints out there. That's an amazing thing. And so 
And it means something in the spirit realm as well. And, and we release blessing into that entire Tucson region and through the state of Arizona. But, but it, that, that God would begin to draw people uh, into this calling of the saints. Only he can do that. It's miraculous, but it's a measure of commitment with him and authority. This same principle affects any kind of thing where drought has attacked you, whether it's drought in your physical body, whether it's drought in your finances, whether it's drought in, in any other measure that's affecting you, only God can come in and snap that thing and restore restore the way things ought to function. And I speak that blessing over each one of you, that these principles that God is giving to us, you know, muzzle not the ox that treads the corn. We're, we're working with the Father in, in according to uh, his kingdom and his righteousness, and God's going to add these things to you. You know, if, 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 if I know anything at all, I know that this blessing is coming upon you, and I release this, but it, it is alongside what Jesus is teaching about kingdom harvest here. You know, I, I was even contemplating, and I'm just going to mention this, uh, but <clears throat> if this is kingdom harvest, you can take that same kind of concept into what the enemy is trying to do and the whole issue of what 666 really means because you break it to six one hundreds and then you break it into the 60 and then you have six which is the number of man which is what the scripture says a partnership of what man is supposed to be doing in the kingdom in alignment with what the enemy is wanting to do and it's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, it's it's going to be a clash between God's kingdom authority and what the enemy is trying to establish in His kingdom. So it's going to be interesting days that we're walking um, we're walking with the Lord into. But God's kingdom is overall, and His blessing is unparalleled. And there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop it as long as we walk with God. You know, there's a scripture that clearly says, we've taught on the gates many times in the past, but when they chose other gods, there was war in the gates. And so there, there's a battle over whether the enemy's going to control the gates or God's people are going to control the gates. But this hundred speaks of gate dominion. This hundred speaks of, of us standing with God with the knowledge of this other progression. You know, if you go and you think, well, I'm blessed God, I've got authority in the gate, you have no concept of how, uh, of the, how important it is to have captains uh, in, in alignment. You have no concept of the principle of the blessing in the midst of growth and in the sila. If you, if, what good are you at the gate? <laughs> I mean, you're just filling space. We've got a lot of people in government doing that now. And you think, what in the world are they doing? They've teared down something that's working, and now it's chaos. But so we, we don't want to do that, and we're not going to do that. But I believe that the harvest, Jesus is speaking. You imagine him out there in, in the boat, and he's teaching these things. And he's, you know, on so many levels this applies. But why in the world does he talk about this 30, 60, and 100? 
Why in the world does he talk about this progression of springing up, developing and maturing, and then being presented? See, too often we, we stop at the wonderful message of, friend, how is your life? Has the seed of the word fallen by the wayside? Do you know who's there? Satan is there. And you don't want to be messing with him. Or maybe you didn't dig deep enough. Your relationship with God was lacking. And the first thing that came along, it just scorched you and dried you up. Or maybe you saw the blessing of the Lord and those cares of this world came and pierced. Friend, where are you today? Come up to these altars and get right with God. That's a good message. But is that the main principle that's being, that's being brought about here? Jesus then talks about this 30, 60, 100, which is a head scratcher. Well, I don't know what that means. I guess it's just, you know, how much weight do you want to pump? 30 pounds, 60 pounds, or 100 pounds? You know how you get up to that 100? Repetition, friend. Good uh, nutrition. And staying in shape. Stretch before you do it. It's, it's all about hard work, and that's how you're going to get to 100. Well, that's not what he was talking about here. See, there's a deeper measure Jesus gives this powerful word, and in the middle of it, he said, he that has an ear, let him hear. You know, there are those that are going to hear this, and they're just going to let it just roll off the top of their head. But it's unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And if they really wanted to, they could hear it and stop missing the mark. But it's up to you now, if you have an ear, to hear what I'm really saying. And then he goes on to talk about that three measure of fruitfulness. And then he talks about how you enter into kingdom establishment for an ongoing, repeating measure of not only harvest after harvest, but expansion to where you can see this uh, exported to the nations of the world. And, And you see, so it's important for us to realize that as we talk about breakthrough and we talk about fruitfulness and we have been on our faces before God through this seventh month that has just completed yesterday, culminating then in us executing the truth and peace in our gates, that this is what Jesus is talking about. There's breakthrough coming. There's harvest coming. There's fruitfulness coming. Well, what are we going to do about it? Just jump up, click our heels and say, wow, isn't God good? Which he is. Or do we have a responsibility to say, all right, let's begin to look for things that are springing up. Let's begin to look for things that are maturing and developing in the way that God ordained for them from the foundation of the world. Let's look at how we can bring a a culmination of this that would be not only a fulfilling thing in our spirit, but something that we can present to our Father. And then let's take it further and say, hey, we see this work. We need to do our very best to establish the mighty ones. We need to establish captains who will embrace the message and do everything they can to embody it and to take their position and to be more than just a run-of-the-mill people, but who will say, I am standing. I am doing this. I'm embracing the mission. I'm embracing the calling. I see the picture. I may not understand all of it, but I'm standing in the gap with this. God is raising up people like that all over the world. There's such a hunger for it. And um, we as, uh, as the saints need to do everything we can 
to provide for them, to keep that table full, to keep that table filled with the, the wonderful meat and the, the glorious things that God has given us, and then to show them how to receive it and to profit from it. And then that middle group, that 60 group, that's just so exponential. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a surprise. And as I studied about 60 and what that meant, there was the element of surprise there. And, you know, the funny thing about surprise is, surprise blessing, is that it's kind of like what every other miracle in the Bible. We like to read about the miracles, but we don't read the verse before where the people were thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. And that's really what happened. You know, you, you can stand and believe God, but in the outward, it looks like you're done for. Or maybe it, if it works, I don't see how. And so the, the 60 in the Sela progression here is, is kind of a surprise. The, the blessing that comes, that's unexpected, the suddenly. And how do you deal with that? Well, you, you recognize that it's part of what you've done to that point in partnership and obedience with God, but you, you, you let that happen. It's kind of like anything else. You get a crowd together and momentum begins to happen, and lots of stuff occur that I guess shouldn't be a surprise, but it can be surprising. You know, we saw in our nation the past year, you know, people who were committed to a belief, whatever that might be, and they would gather together, and then things would happen, very often terrible things, surprising things to our eyes. But it was a result of people that came together for whether it was a right or wrong understanding. But when that comes together, surprising things happen, and they're usually pretty powerful. And um, so when it comes to the things of the Lord, uh, we've got to stay rooted in what we believe and what we've committed to. I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. There's that principle again. And so you stand and you, you in the seal of moment, you, you're expecting the surprise visitation that is more than what your hands have done. And, and so that comes, but then you jurisdict that in the gates. You stand before the Lord and you utilize the authority he's given you to to make affirmation, to make declaration, to proclaim things, to believe for things, to look just as you're supposed to do in the gates with parats. Where's the next breakthrough? And you, you stand at that point almost like in the seventh dimension of the seven spirits as sons where you're looking back on what good things have happened, but you're also looking forward into what's coming next. That's a gate mentality. You look back in the city and you say, well, there's commerce, there's blessings. We've defended, we've been strong, we've been blessed of the Lord. We've committed to purpose, we've been faithful to that. Now, how is breakthrough coming next? How do we expand next? That's hundred. That's, that's gates. That's breakthrough. And that's, these three things will guarantee this movement of the saints for our Father 
to touch the ends of the earth in a way that we've never done. We talk about breakthrough. We talk about fruitfulness. Wonderful things to say. We've been saying it for a long time. What does it mean? Is it just people being visited? Yes, we want that. Is it people being healed? Yes, we know. We've already been seeing that. Yes, we want that. Is it miracles? Yes, we want that. But it's more than that. It's kingdom mentality to how we keep on generating this harvest over and over again and how then we see the kingdom expand into nations far beyond places that we've even imagined at this moment. This is what Jesus is talking about. This right here, this expanded 20 verses is a treatise on harvest and breakthrough and fruitfulness. And every one of these words Jesus takes from the initial understanding, where even a baby could understand it. He takes it then into the, the altar call thing, where even preachers can thump this and stem wind with it, and that's great too. But then you break through beyond that into these other things that he says. These are words of Jesus, and they shouldn't just be things that we think, oh, I don't understand what that means. Let's go back to the piercing of the fruit. I can sure lay into things that people are lusting over. You know, and, and so we've got to break through to see the whole picture. What is Jesus talking about when he says these end things? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. It's unto us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. This is what Jesus said. And so as we look forward to the breakthrough that is upon us, I think that as we gather for the feast. And you know, think about that, you know. Why did Jesus, why did God say, not seven times a year, not ten times a year, three times a year, I want you all coming and showing yourself at this feast of Adonai. Because I want you to be coming and committing yourself to the cause. I want you to remember what you're supposed to be, but I want a commitment out of you. And I want you to remember through those three feasts what you really are supposed to be all about, and it is tabernacle mentality. It's breaking to the north, south, east, and west. It is breakthrough and expansion. Three times a year, you establish this, and you commit to it. And, and so... When we gather in next month, wow, it's next month already. When we gather, you better get ready. Uh, when we gather for this, uh, one of our agendas is to say, how much do you believe? How committed are you? Do you remember what we have as a calling from God? And are you are you wanting to take responsibility for that? Not just part of the gang, but are you ready to be a captain in this? Are you ready to believe for the miraculous breakthroughs that God is going to be springing up and developing and presenting? And are you ready to say, all right, it's time for us to establish gate dominion for the kingdom? That's a lot of what God is gathering this feast for next month. And, and I think that it's, I know that it's well-timed. I mean, 
over these past year and a half or so, it's, it's tested us in a lot of unique ways. It's brought us to self-reflection and introspection. And, and it's brought us to examine what is my relationship with the Lord when I am by myself with Him. How am I doing? Am I cratering? Because I can't go on my own. I have to have 15 other people with me to feel good. Or can I stand strong? Can I be as one who is a voice of one crying in the wilderness? Can I be that friend of the bridegroom? And God has been testing that. But then if you notice, he's been mobilizing us forward to this point. And last month was a month of fasting. It was a month of prayer. It was a month of specifically seeing, yes, it is time for a messianic breakthrough. It is time for a visitation. And I want you to execute. I want you to be as gate-minded people. I, I just see the tapestry of how God is doing all this. And it's such, it's such a blessing to, to let the Word come alive in this way. But this demands our commitment and our agreement. And, and it's, an, it's, exciting. it's an exciting thing. So what about you? How does this principle work in your life? Well, you've committed yourself. And many of you have been seeing surprising blessings that you weren't expecting. You've been faithful. All that your hands found to do, you did it with all your might. But then God has given extra blessing in it. And, and now God is saying, you know, how, how far are you willing to go with this? Are you willing to take that next step in the measures of service and authority that, that I've prepared for you? Are you ready to do that with the demands that it requires? You see, I look out over this group and I see unparalleled blessing. God has been good to you. He's been good to us. And, and yes, it's wonderful. He loves you. That's, that's why. But he's positioning you for the service of all service. I mean, we're living in a time that the prophets look to. We're living in a time that, to me, is the most important time in recorded history. And we are serving our Father as the, as the end of things is rapidly approaching. And to, to be given the opportunity to be offered this privilege, which God extends to each of you, is, is an honor beyond anything that the world has ever extended. So I speak blessing over you. I speak blessing to our Saints Network family. And I speak blessing to those that God is bringing alongside, and uh, we look forward to what he's going to be doing in and through us throughout the remainder of this month of August. And then, man, oh man, September rolling in and the ingathering of the saints, I'm expecting an incredible time of ingathering. And uh, I my, my perspective is on the mission and what we need to do to provide and how we need to instruct and, and the, the machination of it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm expecting miracles 
that no one can deny and visitations of his spirit that we have never encountered before. And why? Because it's God's timing. Why? Because you've been faithful to this point to say, thus is the Lord. What is that, Lord? All right, I'll do it. And it leads up to that point. The fire falls upon the altar well constructed. And you have brought that about. And um, I, I thank the Father for this. But let's, let's keep an eye forward uh, in our own life and in, in, on behalf of this mission. Let's, let's keep an eye forward. And let's not, let's not let the enemy's forecasts deter us. Um, just about the time you think, you know, here we are back to normal here in the U.S., you know, the great, the great ones in Washington are saying, oh, not so fast. You know, we're going we're gonna to make you all go back into hiding again. You know, you gotta, uh, we've we, we got to stand in the gate right now and say enough of that. We can't have that hindrance on our international travel. This thing has, has done whatever it was supposed to do. Let it be done now. And, and let's, let's go forward. You know, there'll be, in future, there'll be other tasks. But this one, or, or there'll be other challenges. The Scripture says that. But this one, enough. Enough. We've, we've got to be free because the timetable of the Lord demands it. And that's our measure. It's not just the way we think. It's what has God said? What, so what did he say about um, you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea? Uh, and don't doubt in your heart. You know, if God's been saying these things to us, this is what he wants to do, and this mountain emerges to try to keep us from that, believe you me, as the old preacher said, we need to be declaring to that mountain, get out of here. Move out of the way. We are preparing the way of the Lord, and the high places have to be brought low. And, and so that is a declarative of authority, and I'm speaking that in agreement with you right now, that all of this nonsense and future restrictions that are being threatened, it has to go. And I'm also speaking that just as we've seen that miracle in Tucson with the rain, that, that somehow the people of God need to wake awaken themselves in Wyoming and in, you know, I, I heard a documentary on the BBC the other day about how the cattle industry in Wyoming is just about done. The people can't feed their cattle. There's no rain. There's no water. And it's just driving out industry. And God needs to awaken some people or have them hear this message and say, we're, we're wanting what God wants. Come up and teach us the way of the Lord. But the, the, all of that fire and all of that heat is not, you blame it on global warming, but it's, it's the same. What was Elijah doing on the top of that mountain? Three and a half years of drought. <laughs> That's what he was doing there. And the rain came. And, and there was a measure of reinstituting of the kingdom. We, we need to begin to believe God for these things. And, and we need to see intercessors, true intercessors rise up and commit themselves to kingdom mentality and to, to stand in the gates in their own region and make declaration. 
We've just seen it happen in the desert. If it can happen in the desert, it can happen in the forest of Washington. Which do you think would be harder to see a breakthrough come to? To me, I would think, well, if it's desert and it's supposed to be 108 degrees, you know, which is easier? 75-degree forecast in Washington State or rain coming down here in Arizona? God gave us the hardest one. We need to believe for people to stand against wickedness and proclaim the kingdom. I'm just rambling now. But those are the kind, did I need to tell you that? Uh, Those are the kinds of things that gate authority brings. And that's what God is giving us. But you got to have the 30 and the 60 as well. And this is what Jesus was teaching about here. Uh, he didn't have dementia. He didn't spin off into some other topic. You know, it wasn't like a presidential newscast where somebody asks a question and you get 15 other answers, but never the question that's, that's been asked. Jesus said exactly what he was saying, and he was all talking about harvest here. And these things we talked about today are, are the deeper things of the kingdom, and you and I are going to see them together for our Father. Amen? Amen. Father, this was kind of an odd proclamation. doesn't have people jumping in the aisles. But it nevertheless, in fact, some of them are falling off into the aisle as they drifted off. But, Lord, I believe that you are doing something through this proclamation. I ask you that you will guide us in how to execute these things in your gates and help us to be wise enough I don't want to stop at 30. I don't want to stop at 60, as glorious and miraculous as those are. Let's have them all together and for your glory and for your kingdom. So we speak this blessing. I release whatever your people need. I ask that the drought in their life would be broken wherever it's manifesting and that there would be a plenteous visitation of your spirit in their life. And I thank you for this, Father. We love you. We give you glory. And we ask all of these things confidently in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. God bless you all. And uh, get ready for the harvest.